heard this sound like a giant torch going off. Greetings, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Traveler's Art Podcast. So glad you're joining us. This is going to be the long-awaited episode three, and boy, it is a good one. I love this story, and stories for that matter. There's actually two. And I decided to actually split them up into two separate podcasts. I got a lot of feedback from people, and they say they really enjoy the 30-minute or less uh, podcast episodes. It allows them to think about it. It's not a big time commitment. So yeah, I think I'll do that. Besides, taking a break between the two would be a good idea. Um, I think the first one that I released, that it, it just it, would, it went a long way and in some ways could be a little little too much. So yeah, I think we'll go with that. I want to keep this intro short so that everybody can just get into the story and really enjoy themselves. Um, I don't know if I have anything else for you guys. Oh yeah, the, the title. <laughs> a different vantage point. Enjoy. The squeaking of my bicycle reminded me of how much work I was doing to pedal around thousands of stupas, which are a form of Buddhist monument. I had, by happenstance and good fortune, found myself in the country of Burma. This truly was a magical place, and I really felt that I had stepped back in time in many ways. Now I was here just starting out my photo career and it was quite some time ago. I was shooting analog film and kind of knew what I was doing, but didn't really, but I didn't care because every day I was so excited to be in this place, to experience this place, to learn about this place and ultimately to be challenging myself to tell my vision of this place in an authentic manner with a real creative sense of, uh, of focus. The way that I'd found myself here was really kind of by luck. I was in Singapore visiting family and I was able to get a visa into what was essentially a socialist country at that time that had a fairly strong xenophobic opinion about travelers. At that time, when you got your visa, which was hard to do, and you got into the country and you made it through the border check or the airport customs check, which was challenging for me because they had really questioned why I had uh, close to 300 rolls of film, which was a long conversation. You then had to take and give the country $150 of money, preferably in US dollars, and you would be given what amounted to this kind of like monopoly money, basically like tourist currency. So in short order, that tourist currency was converted into local currency via the black market, so to speak, for currency exchange. I lost a little bit, but it was worth having regular currency. So I had been in the country for about two weeks and just, I loved it. There were night markets, there was great food, very, very good tea. It's this milk tea. It's 
kind of, uh, they basically make it where they have this large pot. They put all the tea leaves in the pot and it boils and then they add milk to it and sugar to it. And it actually kind of like slowly simmers. And let me tell you, two cups of milk tea, you're not going to go to sleep for a few hours. That stuff was like, oh, man, it's like taking amphetamines. In any case, after about two weeks of traveling around uh, the central and southern part of the country, I decided that I was going to go to a place called Bagan also known as the land of 10,000 stupas. It did not disappoint. I had actually taken a train from Mandalay to Bagan, which I might add, I think I'm going to tell that story in another episode anyway. That, that was an interesting experience. Uh, once I got to Bagan, I uh, found some accommodation, and boy, did I just love it there. This is back in the day when you could get a $1 600-milliliter Tiger beer, milk tea was like 25 cents, and our hotel room was between $5 to $10 a night. And if you're willing to stay longer, that you could negotiate a lower rate. Now, granted, the accommodations weren't nearly as uh, nice as you might get up in Abood, Bali, but to me, it was perfect. So I, uh, I found out quickly that I was going to need to definitely rent a bicycle to get around and that's how I found myself riding around the stupas and temples of Bagan by bicycle and I loved it it was just phenomenal god just thinking about it now I just still what one of the most magical experiences on the second day it was exceptionally hot and I found myself going to the stupas or the or the temples that I could actually go inside and in so doing uh, escape the heat but I would also be able to see the amazing frescoes that were on the inside walls and uh, look at the buddha statues that would be placed inside and the candles thinking of just the number of people that have come inside this particular space to worship and it was just a wonderful time to relax and escape the heat during midday. One of the stupas I had decided to go to and go inside and walk around had a absolutely stunning and handsome man with his linen paintings laid out all over the stone floor and they were for sale. And these were gorgeous paintings painted in beautiful Burmese style with so much craft and so much precision and yet so much creative life. I sat and talked with him using just hand signals because he spoke no English and I spoke no Burmese. It was a great conversation. I will never forget it. He was a very, very wonderful human being. And as I departed, I felt a bit of sadness that I was leaving. Uh, and, and then I said, uh, you know, basically I signaled that I was gonna have tea and pointed down to this little tea hut and he waved goodbye, and it was uh, a great encounter. I'll never forget that man. What a cool guy. So I was having tea down at the little tea stand. It's great because the, the teas are in this like little small cups, and then there's these little side uh, snacks that you can get that are like little crackers and stuff. It's it's quite uh, quite civilized, I'd say. <laughs> And uh, I was going to wait out the rest of the heat so I could basically go down this one particular road that I had seen during the middle of the day and shoot uh, and photograph the temples from that particular vantage point. 
I can't emphasize enough how enjoyable it was to just sit and have tea, to sit and watch people interact in some ways to try and figure out what are they saying to each other and to see the light change and to feel the change in temperature because the sun is no longer overhead to engage in the smell of the soil around there. Um, it was a bit challenging because the Burmese are quite small people and they had these like squatter stools and it was so funny sitting on these squatter stools because it to me it was almost like sitting on the ground. I, I really felt like a, a giant silverback gorilla sitting on a first grader's desk chair. As I sat uh, drinking tea and just watching motorbikes go by and people interact with each other and there was traditional Burmese music playing in the background. It just it really felt very calming to me, even though there was a lot going on. Uh, because things had a pace, even though they were active, that were just very relaxed. But as the sun started to change its angle, I realized that uh, the, the golden hour would be approaching and I didn't want to be late because it's not like there's a redo. You have to wait an entire another 24 hour period to try and get the shot. So I went ahead and finished my tea and pulled some money out and put it on the table, stood up, uh, grabbed my camera bag, got on my bicycle and started pedaling down to the road that I wanted to do this uh, particular photo shoot I had envisioned when I first saw it a few days ago. So I went ahead and I actually had to park my bike and kind of walk down this trail between a couple of walls and a smaller uh, group or set of stupas. And I was very careful where I stepped because yesterday when I was walking around some of the smaller stupas, I ended up running across a cobra in full on hunt mode and was uh, had its hood out and proceeded to... Uh, make short order of another snake, I must say. And so I was proceeding with a certain degree of caution. Well, I ended up finding the spot that I wanted and I noticed there was just this stillness in the air and you could really feel the temperature starting to drop. Now, not drop as in when you're in the mountains and the sun goes behind the mountain and you're in the shade and suddenly you're like cold. It just, it went from really hot to just pleasantly cool. So I went ahead and uh, I pulled out my my traveler's uh, tripod that was probably one of the best investments I had made. It was more than I wanted to spend, but the thing just worked every single time without fail. I still have it actually to this day. Uh, a little undersized for the camera gear I was carrying, but it still, it still worked just fine. So I set up my tripod, um, reached into my camera bag, pulled out my camera and a fresh roll of film, loaded up uh, my camera with a new roll of uh, film and went ahead, checked my settings, uh, got a light meter reading with my handheld light meter and then proceeded to set the camera and shutter speed to what I thought would be a good starting point, leaned behind the camera, composed and framed the shot. This was early in my career and I really, I learned a lot on this actual shoot for a number of reasons, but one of the things I learned was how important the right lens is and that no one lens is gonna do it all. I really wish looking back that I had had a 
what they call a tilt and shift lens, which allows you to correct for optical distortion, which is really a, it makes structures look really good. And it's basically kind of like how we see structures. So anyway, I reached into my bag to pull out the uh, cable release because I knew I was going to doing uh, long exposures. As soon as I reached into my bag, I heard this sound like a giant torch going off. And I looked right behind me and I didn't see anything. And then I heard it again. And I looked up. Directly above me was a hot air balloon, slowly drifting, no more than 150 feet off the ground. I could actually see the brown wicker of the gondola. And I think I might have actually heard it creak as it gained some altitude from the recent heat injection that the burners had put into the hot air balloon. So I was hearing the torches go off to heat the actual balloon. And it was really loud. But once it was off, it drifted away in absolute silence. I, I just marveled at its grace. I wanted to be up there. I was thinking, wow, what an incredible perspective. A, a perspective you could never get to take photos from that vantage point. I just stood there in pure awe. I was lost. I was enraptured by watching that balloon just drift away in the silence. I went back to my project. I shot until basically there was no more light and um, I actually had gone through the remaining film in my camera bag. I got on my bicycle and I pedaled back to my hotel room. Back in my hotel room, I went ahead and put my camera bag down on the desk, pulled out the film, put all my notes on the film canisters, put them in the Ziploc bag, put the Ziploc bag, another Ziploc bag, and then put it in the refrigerator to prevent any kind of damage that might be incurred during the hot days. And went out and got my uh, standard $1 Tiger beer and had some, uh, some good food, some good Burmese food, and I just could not stop thinking about that hot air balloon. I was just obsessed. And then I, I said, you know, I'd like to do that. So I went ahead the next morning, I rode my bicycle over to one of the local kind of markets, because that's really the only source of information. And this one particular market owner spoke fairly good English, actually. And uh, I had a conversation with him over some tea, of course, about, hey, how do I get on that balloon? And he said, oh, I can arrange that. That's easy. Um, it's so-and-so, and it's $125. My heart sunk. Up to this point, I was spending $9 a night for a room and maybe $3 a day in food. If I didn't drink alcohol, my total, my total daily expenses was, I think, like $15 a day. So to me, that just seemed so expensive. And I was really kind of disappointed. 
I didn't have a job at that time. I didn't have any clients. I just was on my own exploring and learning and trying to build a portfolio. So to me, I just, I couldn't see the reason to pay for it. And I said, oh, well, thanks. And he asked me, well, do you want me to arrange it? And I said, maybe tomorrow I'm going to go and uh, prepare for uh, tonight's shoot again. And he said, okay. So we, uh, we finished up and I got on my bike and basically rode back down into the temple area. All the while, muddling back and forth. Should I not? Should I go? Should I not go? Uh, what about the money? Well, don't worry about the money. I got to worry about the money. What about when I get back to the United States? What if I go from here and I go on to Laos? That's a lot of money. That could be like literally three weeks on the road. And I just was going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And I said, you know what? I'm probably just going to come back here anyway. It's too amazing not to come back. So I decided, you know, hey, I'm going to just take a pass and continue what I'm doing. Uh, there's a lot of other places I can go while I'm in the country with my current visa. So I, I passed on it. And I felt good about that. You know, I was like, yeah, I'll be coming back. And so over the next few days when I was in Bagan, uh, all around the different stupas and uh, talking with more people, going into more of the, the actual stupas or temples that had uh, paintings, which were just fabulous to look at, and more photography and uh, more great food, I didn't see that balloon anymore. So I just thought, oh, well, maybe that was just a one-off, you know, okay. So I kind of felt like I didn't miss anything. And at the same time, I kind of thought I did, you know, like, well, maybe they only run that once a month and that was my opportunity. Well, I was packing up uh, all my kit. I would be leaving Bagan. I got all my film out of the refrigerator, got it packed up, got my limited amount of clothes put into my little bag. And I put my umbrella in my backpack. This had been a new acquisition for me. I noticed that the monks in the area would walk around with umbrellas. And I thought, that's gotta be for the sun because it, it's, it's not gonna be raining here this time of year. So on a, the last day, it was really hot like the other day that I'd uh, run across that cobra. And I thought, <clears throat> I'm gonna get an umbrella. And I got an umbrella and I was walking around the temple and wow, what a difference an umbrella made for the sun. I was blown away. Now on my bicycle, I wouldn't ride with an umbrella in my hand, but when I got off the bike and I was walking around looking for shot locations, I went ahead and pulled my umbrella out. When I was walking around the temple just learning about it, I had an umbrella out. And it was really nice because I could just collapse it and put it in my back pocket or slide it in my camera bag. It was probably one of the better things I bought on my travels. In any case, I, I got into what was essentially like a horse and carriage to take me to uh, the outer portion of the city where I could get a taxi and then move on to my next part of, uh, of Burma. And as I was riding out in the late afternoon, lo and behold, there was that balloon. And it just looked so beautiful. So beautiful. Ah. I thought, yeah, when I come back, I'm going to do that. Fast forward 17 years later, I never went back to Burma. Burma went through massive political changes in 2010 with elections and the, the inclusion of democracy 
and the reduction of the amount of uh, socialistic control and xenophobia. And then I saw a film called Samsara. There was a shot in Bagan from a hot air balloon. And my heart just wept because I wanted to be on that balloon. And Burma was not the same. you enjoy that story it's uh it's cool but it's also a little bit on the sad side i'm gonna go ahead and have the kind of the wrap up for this story and the next story in the next episode so i'm not gonna kind of get into what that story means until after the next story is recorded and i'll do them all at the same time so that way there's a little bit of um, cohesion a little bit better understanding of how these two stories work together and the underlying message that I think is really important for our takeaway from this episode or episodes, I guess. Thanks a lot again for listening. Please send me an email or a voice message. Uh, I'd love to hear from you, where you are, what you're doing, what you're seeing, things that inspire you. If you're going to send a voice memo, just keep it under 60 seconds. And let's, uh, end our time together with some traditional Burmese music and kind of keep that exploratory, cool travel vibe going. Until next time, I'll talk to you soon.